1: Welcome guests to another week of the podcast. We're so grateful that you're here and we're so excited to have another amazing author on with us today. I actually met Rashawn on the Clubhouse app and I'm so grateful for the app to have brought us together. After I met him, I went and downloaded his book called Start Where You Are on audio and listened all the way through during spring break, and it was so good. And we're just so thrilled and honored that he came on our podcast. So we just can't wait for you to get to know his story. He is an evangelist, a published author, and a medical service officer in the United States Army. He's truly been through so much in his life, and we we can't wait to share that with you. His book, Start Where You Are, is it's just such a powerful message of how god meets us in our mess loves us through it and leads us out of it it really gives you everything you need to begin removing negative thoughts find purpose in god and find peace for anxiety and so much more so we can't wait for you to know him and yeah thanks for being here hey sisters hey Hey. Well, we're excited to be back for another week. We have an amazing guest with us. So I just wanna jump right in and get to know him. Rashawn. thank you for joining us today.
2: Megan, Kristen, and Lauren. God bless you mm-hmm. guys. Thanks for having me. I've been waiting with great expectation for this moment. So thank you so much.
1: Of course. We yeah, thank feel the, you. <laughs> Yeah, we feel thank the you. same way. <laughs> cool. I just wanted to, you know, you have a book out there called Start Where You Are and I have listened to it and I love it. So I'd love to kind of go back and see where you started, where you are from and how you kind of got where you are today.
2: Absolutely. So currently I'm still blown away and dazzled like by how God has been so gracious to me. As I reflect my life, I'm not deserving to be where I am now. And I'm actually shocked that like I'm a Christian one but a Christian online pastor slash author, it really blows my mind because I was probably the furthest one from God, I would say, and um, an enemy to him, like in my own mind, because I just didn't like the things that the church would portray and uh, that ways that Christians in my life, quote unquote, um, that were living like, you know, yeah. two-sided lives. And I just, yeah, I did never see myself being here. So I'm just shocked and thankful uh, by his grace, his love, his mercy. and But uh, I would say really quick, just going back to the corridors of history, I remember being a guy. Uh, well, matter of fact, I just started my childhood. I was a confused kid. My dad was a quote-unquote Muslim uh, who happened to be an agnostic that converted to, to Islam. And then my mom was a Baptist. Now, I <laughs> yeah. do not know how that happened, <laughs> like how they got together like that. But I just know one thing that I began to uh, be very perplexed about, you know, uh, religion and, you know, what's to come after this yeah. life and things like that. And I found myself yeah, running with a pack of guys, you know, uh, that really just fed into what I wanted to do, which was fill, fulfill my desires for just my central desires for like weed and, you know, alcohol, women, even football. And I just I chased those things until it sent me plummeting one day when I turned 17. You know, yeah.
0: where where did you grow up?
2: So I grew up in a Lawrence, well, actually a military family. So I was all over the place. I was originally born in uh, in Oklahoma, Fort Sill, on a military base. And then uh, we end up moving to places like Miami, Florida, uh, San Antonio, Texas, Beaumont, Texas, um, uh, Baltimore, wow. Maryland, Kansas, all over the place. So literally, I was a kid uh, who was, yeah, basically yeah, just everywhere, stretched, uh, growing up as a child. I would say my defining moment where I was most impacted and the faith uh, space, was whenever I was a 17 year old boy getting ready to sign a national letter of intent to Nebraska. And one day, weeks before I was going to sign it, I was shot down, left for dead uh, in a park. And wow. it was just terrible. <laughs> oh, but, man.
1: What was that moment like? Did you, you said that was a moment of faith for you, too?
2: Yeah, because. I would say in in that moment, because at this time, I was really prideful and egotistical. Everything was going my way. I can quote unquote, see light at the end of the tunnel. It was really hopeful. But as I'm hanging out with this young lady one night uh, and I didn't know that she had like an ex-boyfriend, this guy calls her phone and me being prideful and egotistical, I pick up her, her phone and I knew it was that guy and I answer it hello? And then this guy (laughs) says, this guy says, why are you with my girl? Why are you with my girl? And I'm like, hold on, man, this is my girl. You see, she's with me. So calm down. And um, unbeknown to me um, as we're in a dog fight, talking back and forth, I did an unwise thing and told him where I was that night uh, where we were. And he came to this park called Holcomb park in Lawrence, Kansas. Spanning, er, in, in inside the parking lot, jumped out. Five guys are, are with him, and he's walking towards us. I frantically, you know, jump off the girl, jump out the car, and pridefully walk towards him. And fearfully, I was nervous out of my mind. My mind was racing. My heart was beating. I was breathing hard, nervous. And then as I'm getting close to these guys, all of a sudden the one out front which i could know i could tell it was the girl's ex-boyfriend he reaches for his waistband he grabs a pistol he waves it in the air <sighs> i get scared out of my mind i turn and i run i slip and i fall he stands over me boom boom two gunshots ring out and i began to scream out and i turn i get up as fast as i can i run and i look behind me these guys jumped in the van and as I'm running towards the car where I was, I dive at the left side of the car. I, I look up and I see that the door is wide open, but the girl was gone. She wasn't there anymore. So as I'm laying on its cold concrete, I hear the screed of the car or the van, and it automatically came to a halt. And I seen the the headlights, and the only thing I can think about is like, these guys are about to jump out and finish me off. They're going to finish me off, you know? And I'm just nervous out of my mind. I didn't know what to do. I mean, I was in the lowest moment of my life, uh, thinking, you know, all throughout my life, like, why was I here? Like, in all these different things. In a moment, I've seen my whole life flash before my eyes. And I remember as I'm laying on this cold concrete, warm blood began to go up my back. And all of a sudden, I realized that my parents aren't there anymore, my friends aren't there, my coaches aren't there. No one is there. The girl is gone, but the only person I was left to call out to was the Lord. It was the God in the first time in brokenness and contrition, a sincere heart, sorrowful heart. I cried out to God, Uh, the one that I knew of, but I didn't know. I I came to a place where I was experiencing him in a moment and it changed everything for me in that moment, Mm -hmm. at least for that moment because I ended up drifting off later, but yeah, it's beautiful how he met me where I was
0: testimony. Um, I got chills. (laughs) Goodness. (sighs) So you were, so you were 17 at that moment. Is that right?
2: Yes. I was a 17 year old uh, boy at that, or, you know, young man at that moment. I would have said I was grown, but no, that was far from that.
0: I'm like speechless. But so take us from that moment to kind of present day. And what what does that story look like?
2: Amazing. So from that moment, you know what happened? uh, As I'm on the ground shaking and weaving in and out of consciousness, I began to just reflect, you know, just again, my life, I had 20 minutes to just sit there and, and, and scream and agonize in pain. And What was great, what I was so grateful for, God used a man who was in a pickup truck to pull up, to jump out of his car and come, or his truck and come get me and throw me in. And to this day, you know, after he dropped me off at the hospital, I never knew who that man was, never seen him again. And I call him an angel to this day. But what I would definitely say is like, man, like I was so. Unworthy of the mercy and the strong, loving, beautiful hands and heart of God, but He rescued me. And I, I think what was cool about it when I transitioned, you know, a lot of things began to get pruned. You know, things that were my idols, such as football. Uh, I had a phone call the next day, which um, the coach stated, "Hey, we don't want any Dylans, uh with it. <laughs> we we got to take this kid's scholarship because we don't want any gang." you know, members coming on our program, on our team. So I lost like a lot of my scholarships and things like that. And all of a sudden I was left at a, in a moment where I had to reflect and also realistically think about my future. And thankfully he sent a nurse to my bedside uh, that just gave me one, a Psalm, uh, Psalm 23. It's just, you know, they're really simple, but profound Psalm 23. And then she gave me another verse that I never forgot about uh, but it was Proverbs 19:21 uh many are the plans of a man's heart but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails like i came wow. to this gut wrenching moment like like literally my whole life has been about my plans it's about doing what i want to do or what i will to do what i desire to do But at the end of the day, it's the Lord's purpose that trumps my plans. And that began to send me in a whirlwind trying to find out what this Jesus thing is about, what God is about. And I went down that road for a moment, but here's where the danger came. You know, as people began to walk away out of my life, I'm talking teammates, friends and family began to disperse because they knew I wasn't offering that same charming smile anymore. I wasn't bringing them those touchdowns. I wasn't delivering, you know, just their, my presence to them. I was on bed rest and I was all alone isolated, depleted, and defeated. And I remember just being, it being me and God. But here's the danger of it when I got, when he healed me, when he. Allowed me to get my steps back and walk again and overcome my addiction to the pain pills and all this stuff, you know. But I didn't have a group of guys leaving that space that that moment of time to walk with me and as I followed Christ. Like I wasn't able to see anyone model and give me moments of what it looks like to be like Jesus, to love like him, to walk like him. So I didn't have any discipleship. Therefore, I recycled back into what I was doing beforehand, uh, which was being about me, 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 and I became very miserable. And yeah, so that's what I would say Uh, is I, I, again, drifted away from God. I became a prodigal again and then went to a junior college. They took a risk on me, start playing ball at a juco and then, yeah, jumped into an opportunity to play ball at University of Kansas Again, I became that prideful guy again, started sleeping around, had a baby out of wedlock. And I had to make decisions really fast on what I was going to do, you know, because I was scared out of my mind to become a father. But yeah, so that's where I'll sort of slow down from there. But yeah, that's where it sort of ended up before I went off into the military.
1: Yeah.
0: And I was going to actually say at the beginning, but you good segue is first and foremost, thank you so much for your service. Thank you, Lauren. Appreciate that. This is just so intriguing and it's just amazing. I think that's one of the coolest things that I love about podcasting is just getting to meet and connect with people like you and hear so many unique, incredible, special stories. So I think in the best part of it is to get the opportunity to hear how God uses those stories for his glory you know
2: yeah totally
0: so that's so cool so at what point did you okay so you went to junior college and at what point did you find yourself finding that discipleship and support and being able to kind of change your life around and then and then I want to get to the book too because I know Megan has shared with us just how amazing it is so I'd love to talk about that with the listeners too
2: Absolutely. Great question. So from that point, uh, after going to Army Medical School uh, in that was in San Antonio, Texas.
1: Nice. Yeah,
2: and actually, we would go up to Austin a ton. I forgot oh, cool. what it was. Was it Fifth or Seventh Street or something like Sixth? Sixth Street. Street. Oh, I missed yeah. it. Oh, the that's yeah. the number of man. Come on, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's, that's the wild number. Fifth,
1: fifth and Seventh are good too.
2: Yeah, there you go. The five is number of grace. Seven number of completion. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> but six is the wild one. But uh, okay. yeah. Awesome. So, yeah, after, you know, going there, I did a lot of party in Army Medical School and I was just like, dude, I don't want, I understand there's this idea like, man, I'm making more than I've ever made. I'm a fresh new lieutenant in the Army being sort of saluted by guys that's been in for 30 years. Like, this is cool. And I even outranked my dad. So, like, I'm, pridefully just saying and thinking all these things throughout the day like oh I made it in a way like and here's the crazy part I was still discontent and out of comparison and you know being on social media a, a lot and watching one of my relatives out in LA do his thing he was an Well, he still is an actor, uh, but he was in a movie with Zac Efron called The Lucky One. He was like one of the only chocolate brothers in that movie. And then uh, also the movie American Pie. As I'm watching him out in L.A., like just crush it and on the red carpet and all these amazing things are coming to him out of my pride. uh, You know, again, I always go back to that word, but it sort of provoked me to, to go out there and go AWOL from the military to pursue this false dream, to go to the land of broken dreams, which is Hollywood. And I went out there, and here's where, you know, Jesus sort of uh, drew my heart again for, uh, for 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 the final finale. Like, I'm done with the world. I got to <laughs> pursue Christ and his purpose, his dream for my life. But I, I was doing a lot of great things. I became a hype man for Soldier Boy. I had a nice home, a G-Wagon, you know, I had the girl of my dreams at USC who was in law school. And sadly, on the other side, that just wasn't enough. So I was in an emotional affair with a young woman in in the porn industry. That was just my mess. I was in a terrible, dark place that I was desperate to fill this void in my heart, my life. And I remember this. This would never like I will never forget this. A young lady was at Baylor University and she was playing ball with my brother, uh, Teswani Copeland, back when Baylor was doing really good with RG3 and uh, Art brawls and and, and things were going great. And I flew out there to visit him uh, one day. I took a break from work and went to watch him play. And that night, unbeknownst to me, I walk into what I thought was gonna be a party, uh, similar to like a LA party, but it was actually a room full of of Christians, believers, and I met this young lady who there was just something different about her. The way she carried herself, uh, uh, so genuine and sincere. And I began to talk to her at this party. And what was so stunning uh, to me in that moment was that she she didn't overlook me to see who was coming in the door like girls in LA would be, would do. She was like fully attentive to me, and she wanted to hear my story and my life, and she wanted them know my name. And she wasn't pushing even Christ on me that hard, or trying to <laughs> share Jesus to me. But she was just so sincere, and I never forgot about that. I friended her on Facebook, and we were, you know, talking a little bit after that. But I flew back to LA, and. You know, I didn't know the sun was going to start dawning on my soul the next week. But literally, people began to literally God did stuff to where people were walking out of my life. Opportunities were shutting down. The girl found out uh, that, you know, it was the girl of my dreams that I was having that emotional affair. So she left me and I found myself in a dark place. Uh, So suicidal. I actually went down the hall, grabbed a pistol. And I grabbed this gun, I walked back down the hall, and it felt like an eternity walking down that hall. But when I got on my knees and I placed this pistol in my mouth Mm. and I began to shake, I began to sweat, uh, Uh. two things came to mind. Number one, if I were to shoot myself and I were to die, matter of fact, I'll say this one first, if I were to shoot myself and I were to live, I would have to go through the same agonizing pain that I went through when I was a 17-year-old boy out on that cement, Mm -hmm. out on the concrete. I don't want to go through that again because I know that pain. But the second thing that came to mind was that if I shoot myself and I were to die, I heard about, you know, this omnipotent, omniscient. All knowing, all seeing God who's infinite in wisdom and knowledge and understanding, and He's loving. Yes, I heard about Him, but also heard the side of God who was holy and and wrathful. Do I want to meet Him in the state that I am now, in the place that I am now? And I said, No, like, and then genuinely cried out to him, And this is what happens. This is what changes everything. This is why I'm so thankful for you, Megan, Kristen, and Lauren, and what you guys do ministry-wise online, on your podcast, and everything you're pouring out for people to be impacted by the grace and goodness of God. This young lady, in that dark moment, text my phone. My phone lit up the room. Mm-hmm. I looked across the room and I got up, I put the pistol on the bed, I picked up my cell phone, and there she goes, Genesis, the young lady from Baylor, again, ringing out uh, in my toughest moment, second, most toughest moment of my life, and I read this, and it says this, this verse that she sent me, oh, how wide, how deep, how vast the love of God is, and nothing in all creation can separate us from this love that's found in Christ Jesus. And as I was reading and reading, I began weeping and weeping. I cried out oh, to God wow. that help me, Lord, help me. And uh, yeah, he met me where I was in that moment and changed everything for me. So that's where the true like moment where I was sorrowful for my sin. I, I was just in a place where I gave up, I surrendered and I gave my whole heart to him. And it yeah, and I start walking after him. And yeah, so... Yeah, that was that moment.
1: (laughs) I love that you're showing that, like, we're all just humans and, like, really, God really loves us and he meets us where we're at. And, you know, in your book notes, it says we don't have to impress, perform, or prove ourselves to God. And I even find myself still trying to do that. And so I love your story. And that story, you know, shows that so well. And, like, with a huge heart and deep conviction, start where you are. Is a simple, straightforward anthem about the love of God and how much love He has for us. And uh, you're just such a joy and such a light in this world. And I'm just so happy that that girl texted you that day. And I I know that God prompted her too. And that's where I'm like, "Ooh, I want God to prompt me to help people in that way." Like how great that you know that she did that and that it really spoke to you and. The book is hard to describe in just one little podcast, but there were so many good, you know, takeaways for me. And one of the stories that I really wanted you to share on here, if you don't mind, and it might be skipping ahead. So, you know, from that moment in LA, I do know you became a prison guard at some point. Uh And that story, like I literally cried when I was listening to the story of when you were a prison guard. So I don't know if you can share What?
0: No, Rishon, I was just going to say, before you get to that, I just have to know, was the girl who sent you that message, was it the girl from Baylor that you met?
2: Yeah, that was her. Her name was actually Genesis, too. Isn't that cool? That is (laughs)
0: crazy. Yeah, sorry. I may have missed that. But anyway, okay, yeah, so tell us the prison guard story.
2: Amazing. Well, thank you. Thank you so much again. That encouragement from the standpoint of uh, the story in general, like, Oh, it's so crazy, like, because I'm so fragile and weak. And uh, sometimes I feel like, and we all feel collectively, I think we we're talking about this before we even got online, uh, that so it's kind of a nerve wracking thing to share about Jesus, share the gospel to people. And in our weaknesses, He still, His grace is sufficient and He still shows up. And I'm so grateful for that. But yeah, one day I was just, under the weather. I was working in the county jail, uh, kind of discouraged. And I remember going up into the 12th floor. I was getting ready to start uh, sending out little letters of encouragement to different inmates for the day. I had been doing that for months where I would just write Bible verses, quotes, uh, words of affirmation, things like that. And This specific day, as I went up to disciplinary segregation, which is the jail within the jail, where uh, everyone uh, who has committed a crime within the jail, the jail criminals would go up there. I mean, the worst of the worst. And I would go around to each cell just writing little letters of encouragement. If they're already at the window, I would just speak a word over their lives and and just see how I can serve them. But this day was different. When I got to cell I forgot which cell specifically, but what matters most uh, is uh, there was a gentleman who was looking through the window and he was like, hey, Cope, hey, Cope, go go, grab me that book at the middle of the pot. And, you know, me and sort of, uh, <laughs> uh, what do you call it, uh, a naiveness, I, I walk over there, yeah. you know, thinking, <laughs> oh, that's a word. Yeah. But uh, as I walk over towards the middle of the pot, I'm like. Wait, hold on, this dude had me come over and get a Quran and I know he's not a religious man. Like I know this guy is not a Muslim either, because I've seen him and come across him, talk to him a ton. So I knew there was something going on fishy, but I grabbed the, the book and I start walking back over towards his cell and I go to open up the, the mail tray where we put the mill through the little door cubby hole and as I'm putting the, the tray all I'm putting the book in there He throws this hot liquid all over my face, all over my chest area. And come to find out, it was pee. It was urine. And it was terrible. (laughs) That day, I can laugh about it now, but I wanted to speak in a tongue that needed no interpretation that day. I was (laughs) upset. (laughs) Oh yeah. Frustrated. But, yeah. <laughs> Somehow the Lord gave me like this uh, grace to not like scream out or lash out, but more lean into his presence. And I did sort of uh, so smoothly did an about face and was getting ready to walk out the door. And I was so humiliated because everyone was laughing. Like I just ministered to these guys and loved on them, but they're laughing at me. So everyone is uh, like saying piss pot and new boot. He got you, you fool. Like all this stuff is happening. And I'm trying to hurry up and just get out of this pod. And if you've ever been in a jail before, uh, those doors take a while to open. They just take moments to open because the security has to check and make sure that no inmate is pressing the button trying to get out. And it's just, yeah, you only can open one door at a time. So I was literally getting laughed at for like five minutes, which was crazy. Uh, oh, five to wow. ten minutes, and it was just terrible. And I went down the hall, and I'm talking, and almost, you know, not cursing God, but like frustrated, angry at God, just allowing my heart to overflow with what I was anger. And mm-hmm. I end up um finally getting to the elevator. I went down the stairs and threw those clothes off and was walking towards the door to quit and my supervisor like, no, come on, we'll we'll get this figured out. We'll write him up and we'll make things right. Rashawn, come back. And I was like, no, I'm out of here. And as I'm headed out to the car, I'm literally about to um, pull out, and uh, it, I still I can smell the smell, of the stench on me right now. Oh. It's terrible,
0: so <sighs> terrible. Uh,
2: trying to clean my eyes with water bottles in the car, mm-hmm. <laughs> like. Uh, but yeah, I won't take you out through that. There'll be no uh. more details. But as I <laughs> <laughs> as I go in reverse, and I'm getting ready to pull out, my supervisor's still walking next to the car, trying to get me to come back in, but. Nevertheless, you know, the word of man didn't do much for me. And I finally got to the light. And then the words from God came to me. And anyone who wants to be my disciple must deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. I heard sort of that word in my heart, uh, that moment. And I also heard the Lord told me to go back, go back. What do you mean go back? God, do you see what just happened to me? Why do you want me to go back? So I'm wrestling with God like Jacob in the car. And All of a sudden, I just in blind obedience went back. I just couldn't, you know, grieve the spirit of God because I needed him more than anything else in the world in that moment. And I turned back around and I parked my car. I get back in and I did, you know, I was told to do the write up, but I got started on the write up. And before I can finish the write up, I, I went and threw on some new clothes in the laundry area. Yeah. So I didn't put the same P clothes back on, and then, <laughs> and then I went back uh, to the elevator. And you know, I just felt this sense like I got to get back up there. And we went up to the uh, tw- back up to the floor, and then I get in the pod, and they're laughing hysterically still. They're like, You back? Uh, and things like that. And I get over. By his window as I'm walking close to it I can see him in there and I began to tell him the first words that came out of my mouth was this is that like how loved he is and how I forgive him and even more Jesus loves him and forgives him and yeah and, and so basically just showering him with love and encouraging him and then I turn back around and I'm like trying to hurry up and get out of there then all of a sudden he says hey Cope, hey Cope, come back come back And I turn back around to go back. I'm like, what does he want now? Like, what is, dude, (laughs) I'm I'm tired of this. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, what else? And as I'm walking back towards his door and I get close to his window, tears are flooded down this man's face. Mm. Tears are literally just flowing down this man's face. And he's saying, no one's ever told me they love me. Mm. No one's ever told me they love me. And he wanted to know more about Jesus at that moment. And and I just began to talk to him. I mean, we cried together, we laughed together for hours hearing his story, how his mom was murdered as a young kid. His dad was in prison as a young kid. He was forced he went into the Foster home, you know, the Foster deal, the DHS stuff, and mm-hmm. he ended up all his life fighting for love, fighting for acceptance. And he never heard anyone tell him he was loved or that they loved him. Wow! And at that moment, I just was indebted to begin to speak not only the love of God over his life, but the message that God of what God did for us so we can not only hear that He loves us, but how God demonstrated His love for us all while we we're sinners. Christ died for us. And I began to share that message and how God didn't come for the healthy, but those who are sick and need a doctor. And I, he, that His eyes were open to like this God He never knew about, but knew Him deeply. And it changed everything where He was and hit Him where He needed it the most. And yeah, bet, this is the cool part. I traded out that Quran for the book of John. Like he, 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 <laughs> he really took the Bible and like now, here's the beautiful thing. He's a preacher on the south side of Oklahoma City. He ended up beating his case by the grace of God. God gave him a purpose, which was to preach his word. And now he does outreaches, everything from street evangelism to leading in a church at this moment right now, like God did that. Wow. And I can't help but to share like that story everywhere I go now. But yeah, it's beautiful.
0: That is crazy. so beautiful. And I'm sure yeah. you not only changed his life or allowed God to use you to do that, but probably also other inmates that were witnessing it. Just, yeah. just oh. you stepping foot back in there, I think probably was eye opening for them. So
2: Amen. Really so can. true. I've never even really thought of what happened in that moment with those inmates when they heard and seen that. That's really great to to highlight. I love that, Lauren.
0: Yeah. Gosh, I just, I don't know. I love the way, I love your story and you have, thank you for just being so vulnerable and willing to share every last detail because you've been through so much. And I think it is just such an example of how God can use us in our lives. And I think that he's a persistent God, you know, as you shared yeah. your story, what was going on in my head, I was, you know, kind of just laughing at God being like, you are not giving up on this, on Rashawn," you know, and <laughs> and just how it's his love is just so overwhelming and, and it's up to us to pursue and seek him. And then leave it to him to reveal himself to us. So, I think your story Amen. just sh- shows that so clearly. So, thank you.
1: Yeah,
2: thank you for sure. Thank you. So kind. <laughs> really appreciate. It.
1: Oh yeah, and I kind of uh, skipped ahead, but I would love to know like how you got to the point of writing your book. You know, from the moment in LA. If you want to summarize, like how you got to writing your book and when it launched and everything.
2: Absolutely. Thanks, Megan. So yeah, I, as you guys know, visiting the past is painful, you know? yeah. And I've heard someone say it like this, uh, you know, our past is a great reference point, but a terrible residence. And I'm so thankful like that God has reminded me, that he redeems, like he causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him. And then a little bit later, it says to conform us to the image of the, his son. And I, I, I can't help but to like, just think through when I talk about the writing process, what that looked like for me, it was very painful. I was afraid, uh, fearful, you know, the echoes of my one fourth grade teacher still were in my heart. Hard in mind when she told me to never pick up a pen and write again. So I've been carrying that insecurity for years to not even write anymore. You know, or until I met Christ and He made all things new. But like I, I carried that for years and I became a D student, like a terrible student throughout some of my years in early grade school and and then graciously I started getting tutors and things. And but I was crippled by my insecurity, shackled by shame and. You know, what was amazing is one of the key purposes uh, that allowed me to want well, to turn that idea into an item, which was that book, was that people out there needed to know the person of Jesus. People needed to hear the gospel, what set me free, uh, because I would see it face to face when I was in the penitentiary with a girl who just, you know, lost her child, you know, or in the jail cell, like I would come across that, or, you know, Mm -hmm. the prostitute, the murderers, or even the NBA cheerleader who just got the DUI. Like I would be in front of all these different people from different walks of life that just messed up and got into a low place. And I was drawn near to them. And here's what I would say a lot. I would say things like, hey, what is it that... What is it that is keeping you from coming to God? Like, what is it from, that's keeping you from coming to Jesus? You've tried everything in this world. you tried everything, yeah. but you haven't tried him or gave him a chance yet. Like, what is keeping you from it? And they would say this, and they would say, why would God want anything to do with me? Like, why would he want anything to do with me? I got to get my life together, and I got to fix myself up. And I wanted to let them know he did not come for people to have it all together. Yeah, he didn't come for the perfect version of you, or the the person you wish you were, or the person you pretend to be. But he came for who you actually are. Mm-hmm. You know, which is broken, right? And even yeah. sinful. Like, I mean, if we just get down to the root of things, we need a savior. That's why he sent the savior, his son, Jesus, to set us free. Uh And that's what really compelled me to write the book. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I love
3: that. I love that. Yeah. So true. I know. I, can, I personally deal – this is Kristen. And I think okay. something that always kept me from it, I just remember growing up going to church and just feeling like – I deal with imposter syndrome. Have you ever heard of that? Oh, yeah, yeah. And my whole life I've just felt like this little imposter, like – what am I doing here I felt so judged and just like I, mm. I am so imperfect like why I'm not worthy of this and I just I felt my whole life just running you know just yeah. running from God and and I've said this before I felt like my only relationship was with God was through my mother so losing her it was like oh my oh, god yeah. like it was a huge wake-up call and I just feel like I, I'm not alone I feel like people just think they're these imposters and they aren't worthy and I just love what you're saying. Cause it's like, you show up in your dark, like it doesn't matter. Right. Like, yeah, have you heard totally. that before? Like, I don't know. I just feel like it's so common and it's just something that's been on my heart lately. So.
2: Totally. Totally. I've heard that a, a ton. Like cause I spent a lot of time out on the streets doing evangelism, hearing people's stories. And, and by the way, I need to have you ladies on my show. Like that's, we got to make that happen just yeah. to hear uh, even yeah. more context. Like, to, to your guys' story and the journey with your mom, which I'm so sorry to hear about. I did not know that, but I did see a beautiful picture mm-hmm. of all you guys uh, together. But yeah, um, but I've heard that plenty of times. So thank you for sharing, Kristen. Of course.
0: Yeah, Yeah, and I love, it's just like what your book, you know, says that God meets us in, in our mess and yeah. loves us through it and leads us out of it. So yeah. that's so encouraging. And I think that if we can just lose the judgment of ourselves, it's just so freeing. And why would we judge ourselves when there's only one true judge? And that's God.
3: Hey, God. Yeah. yeah. so chill. So chill. I, yeah. His I think that's <laughs> the hard thing to recognize is like, I felt like everyone was judging me and I didn't realize that it was me judging myself, you know, and yeah. Yeah. to have that realization is just so powerful. And gosh, I just wish I could give that to everyone. Little girl that like me in the, that church, you know, just being like, everyone's looking at me and I don't deserve to be here, you know, so. Yeah.
2: <laughs> wow. Yeah. And that's nothing. Again, we do have an enemy. That's nothing but the enemy he wants us to get to sort of put ourselves. We're called to be witnesses, not uh, judges or any of that—we're called to be witnesses, and it's Christ who is our advocate, right? We got an advocate with the Father, like He literally is our intercessor, who's in between. You know, even like we have Jesus living in us. He says we're righteous and perfect. We're righteous and perfect in Christ. If we want to judge ourselves, let the words of Jesus do that by showing us who we are in him already. Like righteous and perfect in Corinthians. Like so I just want to encourage with that. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Love Love it. I wanted to mention there's so many great takeaways from your book. I know I said that earlier, but one of them that really stood out to me and I just wanted to share because I think it could hopefully reach a lot of people. You did a couple, you do some really good like actual takeaways where you can make like lists. I don't know if you call them anything, but like one of the things you said was being convicted instead of being cool. And that yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was really cool to me. And you gave like six kind of steps to getting there. And I like, you know, I like a a list. I don't know. It was just helpful for me. I keep reading it. And so I thought I'd read some of it and the parts that really, you know, stuck out to me, like fighting is lesser than forgiveness. And I love, you know, you read the quote from Abraham Lincoln, do I now destroy my enemies when I make them my friend? And I just – I had heard that story, but it really spoke to me again now, you know, just with everything going on in the world and like, what can we really do day to day to make the world a better place? And I loved, you know, what you were saying there. And then, yeah, one of the the second one under the convicted instead of cool said, emotions are lesser than devotion. And that was really big for me because I find myself listening to my emotions more than Mm. going to the bible and like reading what jesus has to say or like getting still and being wow. listening to him and it, it, you said be led by the holy spirit because our emotions can lie to us
2: yeah and that's just like so a,
1: yeah like i don't know how did you learn that because it's been something i'm working on because i do listen to my emotions i think
2: sister listen <laughs> and i'm with you a hundred percent a thousand percent like our emotions are a beautiful thing, but again, yeah, they can lie to us, uh, and they just have to be, you know, sort of, we have to give our emotion, like, bring them back to to the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to guide us and give us wisdom on how to... Walk in those emotions, right? So, yeah. like, be led by the Holy Spirit, not our emotions. I heard my mentor say yesterday something beautiful. He said, "Our emotion when when emotions are high, oftentimes wisdom is low. And if we can just remember that when our emotions are irate and you know things are going crazy, a lot of times we need to you know put that those emotions under submission and then put God's Word in authority because he is the wise one that can show us how to walk and move in those emotions thoroughly. So yeah, yeah, I just want to speak that over us as far as the wisdom of God uh, is better than you know even our emotions. Although our emotions are good and needed,
1: totally. No, yeah, it's not something we can like get rid of our emotions. But I think it's important to to recognize when they're there and if we are being led by those instead of God. Um, yeah. And then the next one was happiness is lesser than holiness. And I think that's mm. something we all three have been on a journey of. And I think the world this year is realizing like the world trying to with self-care and become happy. It's like, you no, know, yeah. like
2: we. Self-fulfillment. Yeah, yeah, we're focusing on the yeah. wrong thing.
1: So I love that. And then number four was reaction is lesser than reflection, um, which I think that goes right along with the emotions. One is, you know, really trying to yeah. sit and reflect. And then lashing out is lesser than serving in and talking about yielding to the Holy Spirit. So yeah. I'm like, I feel like I need to just read these every morning. And then the last number six of the your list you made for convicted instead of cool says selfishness is lesser than submission. And I love this quote, too, is Bob Goth quote. And it said, the way we yeah. love... The people we don't agree with is the best evidence that the tomb is empty.
2: Amen. And I was Whoa. like, Oh my god, <laughs> Bob Goff is amazing. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, love that quote. So,
1: love yeah. So anybody, for sharing
2: that.
3: I like tangible lists as well. It's just like when someone's like, Okay, do this, this, and this. I'm yeah, like, I can do that. <laughs> yeah. Give me, give me
1: bullet points. <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
3: Well.
0: All of our to all of our listeners, we highly recommend Rashawn's book. And Rashawn, if you will what share with us anything that you want to share that we haven't touched on. And then also please let the listeners know the go to place to find you.
2: Beautiful. Yes, ma'am. So what I would say, uh, just to close out, again, with Jesus, He's gentle and lowly at heart. Uh, I've been reading through a book, I think it's called Gentle and Lowly. It's a beautiful book. So I would tell everyone listening, even uh, you wonderful sisters, you wonderful ladies, to look into that book, Gentle and Lowly. But it, it's a even, I think, even a, a profound look at the heart of Jesus and how uh, he's always welcoming he's the most approachable person on the planet and we need to be reminded of that at some point because just like I've been sharing about we've all been at this uh, moment where we've been broken like at that low point and I wanted to remind you guys that like brokenness is the place where he God he'll stop us he'll hold us he'll kill our progress you know so In that moment where we are at this dead end, we can see that all that we have, all that we are, all that we're trying to do in life is utterly insufficient apart from him. And I just want to remind you guys that he has open arms for you. And sometimes when we go through those broken moments, it is him breaking us to save us. Uh, David said, let these bones you have crushed rejoice in, in the book of Psalms. And I just think sometimes it takes us going through those tough times to really see, uh, that God's grace is sufficient for us in our weakness. And yeah, that's what Jesus did on the cross for us. He showed us what brokenness can do in light of broken humanity to bring his glory, uh, over the earth. So I just wanted to share that. And I'm totally, totally, that. uh, looking forward to connect with everybody at Rashawn Copeland across every platform and uh, scriptures and stories podcast, which I would love to have you ladies. on. Oh, yeah. we got to set that up. We would
0: love that. Yeah. And just to clarify that book recommendation, was it Gentle and Lowly?
2: Yes. Beautiful okay. book. One of my favorites over the past two years. I've read it like two or three times already. <laughs> so.
0: By Dane Ortland. If anybody listening wants to check that out. Cool. Well, we love to end our episodes with a challenge if you have one for us, and it can be. Super simple or as complex as you want, but for to challenge us and our listeners, whoever wants to join us. And then we would love, love for you to close us in prayer after that.
2: Definitely. Love it. So a challenge. This is great. Okay. I would say my challenge would be for you today to find a moment today to bless someone. Just literally, it can be a tangible blessing. You can speak words of encouragement that are intentional, like really intentional about blessing someone today and do it in a way that you point them to Christ, like really sharing the name of Jesus or sharing the message of Christ. Uh, I would encourage someone with that, even if it's giving them a gift, a Starbucks gift card with uh, John 316 on it or writing your waiter or speaking over her life or whatever it looks like. Just find a way to overly bless someone today and do it intentionally with Jesus attached to it, to it you know? Mm-hmm. So that's what I would say. Prayer. Yeah, can I go ahead and pray for us?
0: Please. Okay, yes. awesome. Yes.
2: So, Father God, we thank you so much for this awesome opportunity to join in fellowship uh, with you, with your Holy Spirit, with one another. God, remind us of how loved we are. Lord, you said you jealously long for the Spirit that you've allowed to dwell in us. But not only that, your thoughts for us are numerous as the grains of sand. Remind us of how truly we are beloved, we're favored, we're set apart for such a time like this, to be a conduit, and expression of your goodness and glory to the world, a broken, dying world. God, have our hearts uh, just open to you more than ever. Not closed off to people, but uh, let us be so in tune with your voice uh, to where all the other voices are just echoes of your goodness, but we hear from you in solitude, uh, what you want us to do each and every day. God, we love you and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Awesome.
1: Amen. Cool. Thank you so much, Rashawn. Yes, ma'am. This was awesome.
2: This was incredible. <laughs> you ladies are phenomenal. I look forward to getting to know you guys more and connecting you with my wife. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we look- I can't wait to meet her. And we awesome. look
0: forward to being awesome. on your show, too. That'll be Yay. so fun. Yes. We're cool, getting yeah. that set
2: up right now.
0: <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, listeners, thank you for tuning in another week with us. We love you you guys so much and don't forget how loved you are and let's all go out and intentionally brighten someone and bless someone's day and point them to Christ so thank you Rashawn, for that and we will see y'all next week bye bye -bye. Bye.
3: Bye.
1: thank you for listening to another week of girl I slept in my makeup if you like us rate review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and if you want to learn more about us or get in touch with us go to our website girlisleptinmymakeup.com where you'll also find links to our Instagram and Facebook. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it and make it a great week. God bless.